Hey everybody, it's Mike from the Mike Wagner Show, powered by Sonic Web Studios. Visit online at sonicwebstudios.com for all your needs. And brought to you by official sponsor of the Mike Wagner Show, international warring author Mia Mosesia Missing, available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. We're here with a terrific gentleman who's an author, entrepreneur, public speaker, and a philanthropist. He's also an athlete. He worked in a variety of industries, including launching a couple of startup businesses. He prefers managing people over money, and he's also completed over 50 triathlons, 15 Ironman, and also several 24-hour runs. And he's still running on this day. And, and he's got a new book out there, which is called Cycle Lives, and um, explores 15 people experiencing emotional journeys with uh, cancer, you know, disinvolving caregivers, patients, and um, loved ones, doctors, etc. And, of course, various traumas in their lives affected um people, their experiences, and more. And what got them into it? We hear some of the stories live, ladies and gentlemen, from the Plus Studio somewhere along the West Coast. Um, the amazing author, entrepreneur, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist. And he's also a marathon man, and he's still running, ladies and gentlemen, the author of Cycle Lives, Multi-Talented, David Richmond. David, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm still running. I'm doing a I'm training for a half Ironman that's taking place in a couple of months. I got a 24-hour bike ride coming up this later this summer. I got another Ironman coming up uh, after that. Yeah, I'm still I'm still going. And I can tell you're running in place as well, too. It's like I can I can feel the feet running. It's like you're running, <laughs> running, running. Of course, you know, if you want to do your exercise bike, that's fine, too. So, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, right? Uh, fantastic. It is. That's right. So you're an, uh, you're an author, entrepreneur, you're a public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist. You work in a variety of industries, including starting and launching a couple of startups. You prefer managing uh, people over money, and uh, you complete over 50 triathlons. 15 Ironmen, several 24-hour runs. You also have a new book exploring 15 people with emotional um, journeys and also dealing with cancer, like with caregivers, patients, loved ones, doctors, and more, and the various traumas in their lives affected um, their experiences. And you got uh, 15 people to choose from. It's called Cycle of Lives. And before getting all that, David, tell mm -hmm. us how you first got started. Uh, well, I, how I first got started in, in this life, right? We all have uh, multiple facets of our life, but in this mm -hmm. life of being an author and an endurance athlete, that started for me, Mike, in my late thirties. Uh, I was very successful on one side of the coin, good friends, good job, you know, uh, really good standing in life. I was pretty, I was pretty happy, uh, with my professional world, but on the other side of the coin, uh, I was very overweight. I was a smoker. I was stressed out. I was in a very uh, um, unhealthy, abusive relationship. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, married to an alcoholic and it was no fun. And I had four-year-old twins that I needed to get to safety. And wow. And I said, man, we got it. We got to figure out a way out of here. And, and kind of when I did, I, I was complaining to a friend of mine, Mike, I was going like, dude, why does all this bad stuff just keep happening to me? And he goes, man, I have been listening to you for years, complaining about all this nonsense. He goes, you need to take a look in the mirror and figure out what your problem is, because you're the one that's that's the problem, not everything else. And mm -hmm. I, I kind of went, holy crap, man, really? Like, I'm the problem? I thought all these other people were the problem. Mm -hmm. And when I did take time to look in the mirror, I said, man, you're nothing like who you who you want to be or nothing you could be proud of. You're 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 not living your best life. Um, make some changes. And so that, that really started it. And, uh, you know, after smoking for 25 years or something, 
I just said, yeah, you got to be done, man. You you got you got to you got to move on. You got to lose weight. You got to stop smoking. You got to become healthy. You got to start making better choices. Um, and I just kind of started day one. That that's when it started. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly day one as well, indeed too. And of course, you've had an amazing journey. And what was that one precise moment that simply influenced you into what you're doing for the rest of your career? Yeah. So it was that kind of looking in the mirror and just asking myself over and over and over, like, who are you? Like, 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 what are you all about? I didn't have any compass point. I didn't have um, any clearly defined values. I didn't have a priority uh, art, you know, architecture in my life. I just kind of floated to whatever problem I could try to solve. And sometimes solving problems works uh, and benefits you, you know, in work or whatever, but but a lot of times uh, problems, solving problems just makes you want to find another problem. And so I, I just I just didn't really have a- any answers to the question of who are you and who do you want to be? And so that was the, that was the thing that changed my life. And what, what I said was, you know, at the time I said, if you're going to for once in your life, take an honest assessment of yourself, like like go ahead, do it, like like be, be raw and be honest and just be as tough on yourself as you can. And I, when I made that assessment, I wasn't real happy. So I said, uh, all right, man, well, you know, you lived enough years doing the wrong thing. Forgive yourself, move on, now start doing the right thing. And that included uh, starting to run and and then bike and then become more athletic and then um, really apply that kind of discipline to other areas of my life. And uh, really endurance athletics just helped me in a, in a ton of different ways. So that was like, that was what the, the path that I went on uh, that transformed me from being, you know, very unhappy to being very, very happy. And what made you choose that decision to uh, be, be, you know, run, bike, and everything like that? That one precise moment, and you know, spe- especially in that area. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the the truth is, is that my sister had just at that point got diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Mm my twins and I, I, I mentioned we were, we, we were finally in a safe place and, and I finally was looking in the mirror and my daughter came up to me one day, she had heard from her, you know, preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher, whatever, that smoking causes cancer. And, and I had talked to my kids about, about June, uh, you know, what, 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 what a five-year-old could understand. And, 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 you know, they knew that she had cancer and, and, you know, that that was going to kill her. And, um, and my daughter said to me, like, hey, dad, why don't you stop smoking cigarettes? And I went, oh, you mean somebody could care about me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, and I said, all right, well, if you stop sucking your thumb, I'll stop smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that trade off. I love that trade off. I should have told that to my kids many years ago, you yeah. know, sucking the finger, sucking the thumb and suck, sucking whatever. It's just like, you yeah. know, I could have done some trade offs myself. It's like now I know after 25 years of this or whatever. Raising cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we made the deal. I mean, I held up my end of the bargain a lot quicker than she did, but she was only five. So I got to cut her a little bit of slack. I should have known better. But it took the, you know, I mean, kids say the darndest things and, and uh, to know that the kids cared about me enough to say, we, we, you know, we don't want, we don't want you to go. Um, that, that made me say, well, shoot, man, maybe I got to be my best self and, and reflect that against what my sister was going through. So I'm on this path of enlightenment, Mike, where I'm like, let me go figure out my life. Let me go figure out my compass points. Let me go uh, try to live my best life. And here my sister is, who's already living her best life. Now it's it's going to end soon. 
And I, and I was just taken by the poignancy of that, that, you know, everybody has their own journey. And man, when, when you, when you, I mean, the reality is you don't know how much time you have. And, and so why, why do we keep wasting, you know, for me, why was I keep wasting another day and another day and another day, not living my best life. And when that really put it into perspective for me. Mm -hmm. and, and of course you, you talked about your journey. You talked about 15 other journeys and think about your yeah. daughter as well too. And the best reward from um, not sucking a thumb, you know, give lollipops as well too. That's the best reward right there. So, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So on these 15 stories, what I did, uh, Mike, is I noticed uh, when I was doing events that were charitable related, related to what my sister was going through, you know, either events that were focused around her or focused around cancer or the center that took care of her or whatever. I noticed that people were really good, Mike, about dealing with the tasks related to their cancer. Like, how do I set up my doctor's appointments? How do I get back and forth to chemo? How do I uh, 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 navigate work? How do I navigate insurance? The tasks around it, people were really good at. But when it came to the emotional side, like talking to people about the emotional issues related to cancer, you know, being a caregiver for 20 years or losing a loved one or going through cancer yourself, and talking about it with people, even the people closest to you, people just aren't equipped for that side of it. They're just, it's very isolating, very quiet place. And, and I was kind of struck by that. And I, and I went to find a bunch of stories that I could ask people, why is it, why, why is it so hard for you to have the hard conversations around the emotional aspects? Or why is it hard for people around you to have the hard conversations around the emotional um, aspects of cancer and trauma? And that's what, that's what drew me to write the latest book. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about your book as well, too, Cycle of Lives and uh, presenting 15 different stories or different journeys with David Richmond. But first, listen to the Mike Wagner Show at the themikewagnershow.com, powered by SonicWeb Studios. Visit online at SonicWebStudios.com for all your needs. Look at a professional website without breaking your budget. SonicWeb Studios is the answer. SonicWeb Studios offers fast, affordable custom web designs that blow the competition away. Call today, 1-800-303-3960. That's 1-800-303-3960 or email to support at sonicwebstudios.com. Mention the Mike Widener Show, get 20% off your first project. Sonic Web Studios, take your image to the next level. Also, time to give an official shout-out to our official sponsor of the Mike Widener Show, International War Ring author, Mia molson -Zia. If you love fast-paced mysteries, you'll love Missing by Mia molson -Zia. available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing is fast-paced and intriguing with an unforgettable twist. Takes place in four countries, two strangers, one target, where truth is illusion and those you love be the first to go missing. It's available on Amazon and paperback and ebook. Missing by Mia Molson Zia's got great reviews. And Evil Evan enjoys by Howard celebrities, including Joanna Cassie, Forge Riley, and Minnows. So grab your copy today for Goals Missing by Mia Molson Zia, available on Amazon. Also, check out the Mike Widener Show at themikewidenershow.com and over 40 podcast platforms heard in 100 countries, including Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Also, Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Audible, Apple. Also on Hamilton Radio every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. Also on BitChute, Rumble, and a few networks and podcast platforms coming soon. Take us with you on any mobile device. Subscribe to The Mike Widener Show on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow The Mike Widener Show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok today. And for great gift ideas, go to Amazon.com. Check out The Mike Widener Show podcast. T-shirts, pop sockets, throw pillows, tote bags, hoodies. Makes great gifts 24-7. Go to Amazon.com. Check out The Mike Widener Show podcast. And for more great gift ideas, Go to Amazon.com slash me and Molson ZF for great books like Missing, Once and Wrinkles, also T-shirts, pop sockets, hoodies, phone cases, and more. Amazon.com slash me and Molson ZF. Check it out today. 
Also support the Mike Whitener Show on Anchor FM, PayPal, and themikewhitenershow.com. Make sure you do so today. We're here with the amazing author, entrepreneur, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist, David Richmond, here on the Mike Whitener Show, the book, The Cycle of Lives. And um, your book uh, just highlights uh, 15 different stories and 15 journeys. And why did you decide to uh, present 15 different stories on that? Oh, it's a great question, Mike. But here's the, here's the answer is that, you know, if I want to learn about the human condition, especially as it relates to trauma, especially as it relates to cancer, I can't just uh, hear one person's story and I can't uh, hear the same story told by 10 different people. What I needed to do was to find people that had a range of age, uh, uh, had a cancer, uh, had encountered cancer one time in their life, maybe five times in their life. Um, I wanted a caregiver, a, an oncologist, a nurse, a, a medical professional. I want a young, old, lost a child, lost a grandparent, cared for a child, cared for a grandparent. And then I wanted above and beyond that, people who were willing to talk about the young adult, adolescent childhood traumas, such as drug addiction, incarceration, uh, suicide of a parent, uh, making bad decisions, being in a abusive relationships so that we can understand how the trauma that we all experience, we all experience trauma, how the trauma either allowed them to or prevented them from uh, connecting with others while they were going through their cancer experience as a caregiver, patient, whatever. Because I thought, man, if I could 360 that view about how why is it so hard for us to talk about the emotional side? Because we're limited by this. We're limited by that. We're afraid of this. We don't say the wrong thing. And, and I could tell the stories in a really evocative, inspirational way. Then I then I thought that we could get a 360 view on the subject rather than one person telling the story. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, maybe you can just pick like maybe a couple or a few of the stories as well, too, and just give us a brief synop synopsis of it. And what can we learn from it? Yeah, sure. So a lot of the stories start with a really big question. Okay. Like uh, one question I'm thinking about is, is, is Bobby and Brandy's story. And the question is, if you were down in the dumps your whole life and making bad decisions, having bad things happen to you, and finally you met it, finally you met it, you met the one, the angel, the person that made you see life with a new pair of glasses, the, it, the, the absolute truth of love. Uh, and shortly after you meet, you lose that person to cancer. How do you move on? Well, I'm going to ask a tougher question. How do you move on to then find the new absolute undisputable love of your life? Like, how is that even possible? And Bobby's and Brandy's story is, is about that. Like, how can you move on from losing such a seminal part of your life and still be grateful still be happy and 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 i won't give away the whole story but in the end i asked bobby i'm like man like how how is it possible that you're this happy and he goes look man he goes what happened to me and brandy i i couldn't wish that on anybody it's the worst thing in the world and if brandy didn't die i would be happily married to her i would long for nothing I, we would have a big family my life would be wonderful he looked he leaned in and he goes but that didn't happen and I wouldn't change my life now for one single thing. I, every moment of every day, I'm so grateful for the person in my life, the life I'm leading. And you will just wonder, like, how does somebody think that way? How can they get to a point where they were at such a low, uh, get rescued or rescued themselves to such a great place, then get to an even lower low and allow themselves to be loved and to love another? 
it's it's a really uh, touching, wonderful story. Those are the kind of stories that we that we that we talk about and that we explain. You know, kind of what's the emotional side of, of loss? What's the emotional side of trauma and cancer? And how can we use negative circumstances? How can we use adversity to enhance our lives and to be positive and to live our best lives? That's what the that's what each story has a has a piece of. Mm-hmm. And, and and also too that uh, you y'all talked about um, you know Bobby as well too, and of course you all to talk to a few other people. What was the most challenging? Um, you know, story that you encountered as well too. And, um, you know, what can we learn from as well? What was like the most challenging or the most difficult? Yeah. Wow. The most difficult, I think for me was talking to a couple in, uh, well, I talked to the husband. I was introduced to this couple because a good friend of mine said that this woman was grateful for having received a diagnosis of terminal brain cancer. And I'm like, that's not even possible, right? Is how how can somebody be grateful for receiving a, a a a a terminal diagnosis? They had six kids. Excuse me, I'm sorry. There's a plane going over. Oh, that's okay. That happens. They had six kids and had lost one at 18 months old. Married for 25 years. Pillars of the community. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, you're getting a a a. a a terminal diagnosis and you're grateful. I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And uh, shortly after I, I was introduced to them, um, uh, the, the, the wife, the, the mom of the kids, uh, she passed away. And her husband and her sisters and her mom agreed to talk to me and really explain their their uh, experience and you know the, the highs and lows and the ups and downs and 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 uh, it was really really tough because it was fresh in their minds. I couldn't wrap my brain around how do you lose a child and move on? How do you have a successful marriage and move on? How do you continue to raise kids? How do you be the pillar of the family and the pillar of the community? And then all of a sudden, you get diagnosed like that, and 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 the, your first reaction is tears of gratitude. And I was like, hmm, boy, I just don't know if I can if I can chew that off. And after talking to everyone involved, you really understood how, of course, she didn't want that diagnosis. Of course, it, it was a tragedy for everybody involved. But but the op, the alternative of what was happening to her at that time was one that would that you you would not want, and nobody could want, and nobody could understand. And and hearing that she had a cancer diagnosis kind of answered uh, the questions of like you know, I'm not going crazy. I'm not going to lose my life, you know, to, 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 to an institution. She just, she just learned that, uh, that gratitude comes in many forms. And and I think that they told me Brandy's story in a way, I mean, uh, uh, Lauren's story in a way that I could, that I, that I could write it and make it, make it believable. It's a, it's a tough story to write because I'm trying to wrap my brain around how do you have gratitude for something so difficult? Um, and you want to know something? It's our toughest times, Mike, that get, that can give us gratitude, that can give us hope, that can give us optimism, and 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 so I think the story, uh, uh, their life story, put on paper, really helps people because it lets them know that that main fact that man, no matter how tough it is, no matter how rough it is, there's still a reason to be optimistic. There's still a reason to be grateful. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like the tough times will get people to open up as well, too. How else uh, do you get people open up on a deep and personal level, especially if they have cancer or anything tragic or, you know, you know, things like that along the book? 
Yeah, it's it's tough because uh, first of all, um, we were going places where people had never talked before. I talked to an oncologist who has been practicing uh, 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 a surgeon and a, and a breast cancer oncologist for 40 years at NYU. And, and I said to her, I said, Dr. Myers, is it okay if we talk about things you never talked about? And she goes, yeah, I think I'm comfortable with that. And we went as deep as we could go because the what the hope was is that in telling authentic, deep diving stories about the real crap, the real highs and lows that they went through by really telling it in an authentic, revealing way that it just might help others. So armed with this kind of dual, like we both agreed, we all agreed that was the mission, then it made it a little bit easier. But certainly going to places that are really tough to talk about, we had to develop a lot of trust for each other. They had to believe that I wasn't there to exploit them. I was there to, to, to use them to help others. And they were, they, and they bought into that. And so, uh, you know, some people went by the wayside because I wasn't talented enough to, to, to get to the heart of the matter. Sometimes people went to the wayside because the places we went were too dark or too difficult for them. And they just weren't equipped to, to go there. But luckily, uh, 15 people were able to go as deep as we could go to understand the true essence of that. Like, how do I relate to somebody that, how do I, how do I understand the full depth of the comment? You never know what people are going through. You mm-hmm. never know. And, 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 they, and they gave us that. And certainly do as well too. You also went on a journey talking to those uh, 15 people, you know, yeah. kind of the marathons, everything like that. And, um, yeah. and, and now did you do this when you um, went on marathons and uh, also well, on, um, triathlons and everything you went over and talked to those people as well so i'm gonna make it even a little bit a little bit crazier so for anybody that that is a thinking about endurance athletics or you kind of know what a marathon is or a long bike ride is i thought mike that if we're all connected by emotion which i believe all humans are and we're all connected by stories you're a storyteller who doesn't like to tell stories (laughs) Uh, we're we're all connected by story we're connected by emotion so i said mike why don't i just connect all the stories Cause I hadn't met most of the people before I talked, I talked to them for a couple of years and still hadn't met them. So I said, let me just connect everybody. And so I jumped on my bike and uh, I bicycled around the country, 4,700 miles in 45 days to connect the stories. So uh, that was the, the narrative in the book is, is my uh, bike ride and the people I met along the way. But the mass, I mean, the major part of the book is the, is each of these 15 stories but in between each one of the stories is a little respite where I talk about the bike ride and the people I met along the way. And so my ride kind of connects all of the stories. Hmm. And, and what's the most important two or three things you learned during the entirety of uh, your journey, the project, bike ride, and the book? What are some of the things you learned? Um, well, without sounding trite, uh, that, the idea that 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 people really are going through a lot and people have gone through a lot. Um there wasn't any, I mean, there were people I met, Mike, where I would be like, oh my God, if I could only have it like them. And then I get into their story and I realize I would want nothing of what they've been through. <laughs> I mean, nothing. So I think the the one thing that was amazing was that everybody's going through something or has been through something. Trauma is, a, is something that touches all of us. It's kind of like how you deal with it. That That's what separates us. That was one. Number two, I thought was pretty amazing, Mike is no matter how crazy, amazing, interesting, evocative, inspirational, however moving these stories were, every person kind of said, yeah, I don't know why we're talking. I'm not that interesting. And I thought, <laughs> you know, everybody's just living their life, right? 
And, and so when you couple those two, two things together that people tend to minimize what they're going through because they're just trying to get day to day. They're just trying to live their life. They're just trying to process the nonsense. And then you realize how difficult sometimes life is on people. It really is poignant about, man, I got to make a connection because it can make a big effect. It can mm -hmm. have a great effect on them. Mm -hmm. so that was another. And, and I think the, the, the one thing that you, you think, you know, I thought I knew ahead of, of going into it, but I don't think I understood the depth of it. Mike was that, um, trauma, cancer, whether you're a caregiver, a receiver, a counselor, a friend, it, it's a very lonely place. It's very isolating. Uh, people get abandoned because other. I heard my friend got something. That I don't want to talk to him, man. I don't want to say the wrong thing. So people tend to disappear. It's very isolating. I don't want to burden people with my problems. So I'm just going to keep to myself. It can be a lonely place. And 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 I think that touched me at, at, as to how the depths of that uh, sense of loneliness or, or it's just, it's nobody would understand what I'm going through attitude. Uh, it really, everybody, everybody had that at some level, which was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And do you think social media also plays in a uh, part of it as well too? And uh, how much? Yeah, for sure. Because who, who isn't trying, I mean, listen, who hasn't been to a ball game and you're sitting a couple of rows behind someone that's taking 20 pictures and smiling at the camera. And as, soon as, <laughs> like, as soon as they got the right camera, the, the right picture on the camera, they stop smiling. <laughs> right. It's just like all the, it's, it's all just a bunch of nonsense. And I, and I think that that just relays into this thing that I have two faces. I got my public face and my private face and my private face. I'm not showing anyone. <laughs> my my emotions i'm not showing anyone and 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 who who hasn't had somebody walk by them at work and you kind of sense something's going on but you're not really sure and then if you get a safe space to ask and they tell you you're like holy crap you've been going through that like why didn't you tell me why don't you say something and pe people just don't right it's a very lonely place dealing with trauma and dealing with the emotional aspects of things so um yeah that's that, that was that was pretty telling Mm -hmm. and, and you also tied about the ball game as well too that uh you know people taking pictures go to a ball game back in the day would uh, actually connect into deeper relationships you know i seem to think about that and they said ball you know baseball games especially i mean you know two three hours long go to a dodger game or like a yankees cubs or even the giants or say like the um the marlins yeah. no matter how the bad teams are it's like you know two three hours it's like you you develop deep connections way around people even like you make friends even like a row or two behind you or in front of you as well. Yeah, right, right now, right? I mean, I, I, who talks at a game? You, you you look at your phone the whole the whole time. So I, I love it when uh, we're getting the opportunity to connect. Like I, I, I when my kids were 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 growing up, I, I used to uh, put us on. I had a boat. We used to go boating a lot in the summertime, and I was like, we're all leaving our phones in the car because uh, man, you're on a boat alone together you get time to bond, you get time to talk. And I love that. And, and we just look society today, it's not conducive to forming deep relationships with the humans around us, even the ones that are closest to us. Uh, how many times you, 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 you go like you're sitting at a restaurant and you keep staring over this couple. Cause you're like, how in the world are they sitting there for that long and not saying a word to each other? Right. We just, we, we just don't connect the way we used to connect or maybe even the way we should connect. So that's what this book was all about. It's like try to help shine some light on that on that mm -hmm. topic.
And there's one story I do want to share about uh, restaurants as well. Too. I took my family to um, a Mexican restaurant in Western North Dakota and greeted by a singing waiter. And uh, where we're taking our seats, he he goes by the um, the table and starts singing, playing guitar. And everyone's like, why is he doing that? And he looked over and goes, that's because everybody's on their phones. That's why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and that can be isolating. I mean, we know how difficult I would, there's no way I want to be an adolescent young adult right now. The pressure that you have to put on that public face, to be perfect, to be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, to, to, to be dialed in, to have no problems, to be living the Vita Loca, all this stuff. Heck no, man. I would not want that for anything. And it's a very, it's a very tough place because in real life, we got to deal with the real stuff. And social media is dealing with, with made up stuff and, and, and boy, it makes it a lot tougher. So I have a lot of compassion for people that are trying to keep up with their, with their peer group, you know, mm -hmm. on social media, it's tough. And certainly does as well too. You also have another book out to, out too really quick. It's called winning in the middle of the pack. And how do you win in the middle of the pack and overcome adversity? We'll find out with David Richmond. You listen to the Mike Wagner show at the Mike Wagner show.com powered by Sonic web studios and brought to you by official sponsor, the Mike Wagner show, international warring author, Mia Moses, missing. We'll be back with author, entrepreneur, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist, David Richmond after this time. We're back with the amazing multi-talented David Richmond here on the Mike Widener Show. We talked about the cycle of lives. And you've also been an author as well, too, and kind of, um, you know, encouraging people to win in the middle of a pack and to explain that one. Yeah, that's a good one, right? So think about this, Mike. Like, if 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 if, uh, if the marathon was coming to town and, and you saw that Oprah Winfrey was coming to town to run the marathon, how many people would be watching how she does? <laughs> Every single person, right? Lots. Lots. Uh, so she's kind of at the front of the pack, right? Uh, the, the other side of the pack, the, 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 the bottom of the pack is, I don't know, the kid that's living on his, on his parents' couch in the basement playing video games, right? I don't have much in common with either one of those two people. Not much of us do. We're somewhere in the middle of the pack. And we're in the middle of the pack, nobody's looking. Like, nobody's watching. And so the cool thing about it is a lot of us can identify with this idea that we think – I got to do something because the boss wants me to do it. Or I think I got to do this because this is what society tells me is a good parent. Or I got to do this because I think people expect that. Meanwhile, everybody's living their life, man. They're they're not looking at you. They're just caring about themselves. Like when you do something stupid in public, nobody even notice because they're doing their own stupid things. But if, <laughs> if you're at the front of the pack or the back of the pack, everybody's watching. Everybody cares. But in the middle where we all, most of us it, it exist, Great, 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 wonderful, amazing things can be done and nobody cares. Nobody's watching. So the point is, is that you got, you, you get to do it for yourself, right? How awesome is that? If I told you right now, Mike, do me a favor. I know it's 10 degrees outside, but I want you to go, I want you to go for a five mile run. You'd be like, man, you're crazy. Why would I, why would I do that? And I say, well, look, I, I, I'll give you 50 bucks. And you're like, really? I don't need the 50 bucks. All right, I'll give you an hour off next week at work. You go, here, dude. <laughs> I'll take I the 50 bucks it. right now. Thank you. <laughs> okay, sure. But what I'm saying is, is that if you came to me and said, guess what, David? It's 10 degrees out. I want nothing more to go for a five-mile run. That's the greatest thing in the world. I'm going to go do it. Nothing could stop you, right? But if I told you to do it, I mean, really? You know, you got to buy into it. And so this, this idea of being in the middle of the pack, I'll tell you a super quick story, okay? Super quick. I, when I was uh, uh, starting my journey of losing weight, starting to become active and stop smoking or whatever, I was getting ready to do this event. It's called a half Ironman. 
And I go to the start line, and it's a wave of people going, wave, another wave, another wave, another wave. And the first wave that came came on, I'm looking, everybody's a Greek god. Like they got no fat. Everybody's gorgeous. Everybody's looking amazing. And I'm like, what the heck am I even doing here? Mm -hmm. I Chariots of fire playing right now. Right? I do not belong here. That's what I'm saying. I don't belong here. And, and so the gun goes off and all these Greek God and goddesses go in the water and they start swimming. And like five of them at the back don't know how to swim. They're oh, on their no. back. They're doggy paddling. They're <laughs> swimming in circles. And I'm like, well, they don't care what anybody thinks. Why the heck do I care? So I belong there if I want to belong there. Not, I'm not going to win the race, but I'm certainly going to finish ahead of the person that never started. So mm -hmm. why don't I just worry about myself? And, and, and I don't care what anybody else thinks because everybody else is not thinking about me anyway. They're just thinking about themselves, which is great. You should. You should be doing stuff for yourself. So that's the gist of winning in the middle of the pack is I, I tell a, a ton of stories about the similarities between running a big business, running 100 miles and, you know, some of the more difficult things in life. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, besides the bike ride and uh, being in 15 Ironmans and several 24-hour runs, 50 triathlons, what do you consider your biggest accomplishment and all that? Ah, athletically? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'd have to say it's it's 40. 40 well, well, maybe the first Ironman I did was the biggest accomplishment because I, I don't think I believed that I could ever do something like that. You know, uh, swim 2.4 miles, bike 112, and and then run a marathon. And I'll never forget my friend, Bob, I was, I flew all the way from California to Florida to do this thing. So I could be away as far away from anybody that might know me as, as possible. Right. Cause there's no <laughs> way I belong there. And I, my friend, Bob lived on the East coast and he and his family came to watch me. And I, I'd done the 2.4 mile swim. And then seven hours later, I was done with my bike ride. And I'm uh, three hours later, I'm done with half the marathon. And I'm like, maybe this thing is a possibility. And I'm getting ready to do the turnaround so I can go do the second half of the marathon, which is going to finish my thing. And I look over at my Bob and I go, how am I doing? And he goes, dude, you look like crap. You look like <laughs> kill. He goes, you're going to die. Like, stop, sit down, stop, quit, because you look horrible. I don't want to watch my friend die. Knock it off. Stop. And I went, oh. I thought he was going to tell me to keep going out. <laughs> but uh, I eventually finished that thing. I I'd say that was a pretty big accomplishment, but certainly uh, biking almost 5,000 miles in 45 days was a pretty big deal too. Mm -hmm. And certainly was as well. And we love to see it come through town, the triathlon, bike and all that. And I'm looking forward to it coming your way. And where can we find uh, your books at, especially Cycle of Lives, Winning in the Middle of a Pack and more? Well, thank you. Uh, all the proceeds from Cycle of Lives go to cancer-focused charities. Uh, they were all chosen by each one of the 15 book participants, and those charities are listed in the book. They're listed on my website, which is cycleoflives.org. But you know this. Uh, most books are sold on Amazon. Uh, the ones that aren't sold on Amazon are Barnes & Noble, and the rest are in the local bookstore. So wherever you get books, uh, those books are available, and, and uh, I appreciate it. We certainly will check those out. We're here with author, entrepreneur, public speaker, athlete, and philanthropist, David Richmond of Cycle Lives on the Mike Wagner Show. And uh, just a few more things. What can we expect from you in 2023 and beyond, David? Oh, man, I just went through a goal-setting exercise where I said, okay, I'm going to list out, you know, kind of my top goals. And I had uh, I had 19 a goals that I got like high priority goals I got to do this year. So a couple more books, a few more projects, some 
some good public speaking. I do expressive writing workshops to help people reframe the the conversation of trauma with themselves. Um, I got a lot, lot going on, but, but stay tuned. You know, I got more books and, and lots of fun stuff coming down the road. We certainly will do so and looking forward to it, David. And who do you consider biggest influence in your career? The biggest influence in my career is a woman who was, uh, I was working in the financial services industry and uh, for a very, very major Wall Street firm. And she was one, one of the most powerful people at that Wall Street firm. And I got to be her right-hand man for a couple of years. She was the most intimidating. She was about five foot tall, 90 pounds wet. <laughs> and and uh, she was the most intimidating person I've ever met. And she probably taught me over a hundred lessons in, in business. And 95 of those lessons I've, I've, I've applied to my life. And I'd say uh, she's first and nobody's even a close second. That is amazing. I like to meet him as well, too. And if you look down as well, just amazing. And what's yeah. the best advice you can give to anybody at this point? The best advice that I could give people, I would say that optimism is a choice. Like there's, there's no doubt, whatever, like set your goal as high as you want to set it, forgive yourself for all the, all the bad decisions you made. I think the best advice I could give you and it's not preaching, it's not lecturing. It's just like op optimism is a choice. I just wrote a guest chapter in a book that where, where it's called intentional optimism is the name of my, of my chapter. And it's like, Man, I don't care how, what you're going through. I mean, I've been homeless. I had guns pointed at me. I've been robbed. I've been, I, I had, you know, lost relatives. I've, I've been, I mean, you name it. We all, we all have rough times. And I think being an optimist is a choice. So I, I would say the biggest piece of advice I would say is, as you could choose to be optimistic because today, to, tomorrow is, is and can be a better day than today. I don't care what, what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And certainly a great advice indeed as well, too. We're here with uh, David Richmond, the author of Cycle Lives here on the Mike Widener Show. David, a very big thank you for your time. We have an absolutely fantastic learning a lot from you. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Laugh to have you back. Once again, what's your website? How do people contact you? Where can people purchase or check out your books? Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, www.cycleoflives.org. That's where you can learn about me. Books are on Amazon, a Cycle of Lives or, or uh, uh, Winning in the Middle of the Pack. And if you go to my website and hit the contact me, that comes to me. I, I, I answer all the emails. I, I love I love responding to people that have read the book and told me how they how, how it touched them. And and uh, so, yeah, anything you need, uh, if, if this touches you at all and you, you want to talk, reach out to me via the contact me button on the website. We will certainly do that. Once again, Dana, a very big thank you for your time. You've been absolutely amazing. Looking forward to having you again soon. Keep us up to date. Keep in touch. Love after back and wish you all best. And David, you definitely have a great future ahead of you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing.